Welcome to the Before 30 Podcast, inspiring conversations about life and work with your host, Auntie Janine and Nephew Trey. Welcome to Before 30. This is Auntie Janine, and this is an encore edition of the Before 30 Podcast. Did you know that April was Financial Literacy Month? Well, it is. And y'all know that Nephew Trey and I are passionate about financial literacy. It is very important to us that you experience a life of financial freedom. And so what does that mean? Well, you're going to find out today when our special guest, Amani Hamilton, returns and we talk about money mindset. Where do you get your ideas about money from? Why do you spend the way you spend? Are you a saver? Where does that come from? Why did you start saving? Do you have things that make you spend, like having a bad day, having a good day? Well, we're going to get into all of that this week. We want you to get on your journey to finding purpose, but you can't do that if you're drowning in debt. And so this week, we are talking about money mindset. Stay tuned and welcome back, Amani. Hamilton. Yeah, and so we are super excited. I am super excited to j- jump into this topic. Um, we have someone who is going to help us really, you know, dig deep and just going to provide some perspective um, on money mindset and cash flow. Um, so joining us today on this show uh, is Miss Imani Hamilton. Uh, she is the founder of Finance by Faith LLC. Uh, where she helps people of faith manage their cash flows, crush debt, and acquire real estate strategically. Um, She is a finance professional with over 15 years of experience in the financial services and real estate industry. Um, Imani leverages her professional experience and personal financial journey to help others take their finances to the next level and own their wealth. Now, Miss Amani, she graduated from Clark Atlanta University. She's smart, y'all. And she's smart. That's with her BS in mathematics. But then she earned her MBA in real estate and finance from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, She's a board member and strategic advisor on several nonprofit organizations and churches. When not working, she loves spending time with her husband and three children. Welcome, Miss Imani Hamilton, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. I I really, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good conversation and we don't want to delay it, but we want to hear a little bit about you. You you know, we know you have a husband and three beautiful children. Mm -hmm. I know in our conversation, we're going to be talking about some of the things that you and your husband um, had to get on the same page about with money. But before that, just tell us a little bit more about your business and how you work with clients and how did you get into this, you know, financial literacy and, and real estate money making, um, you know, how did, how did you stumble into this where you could be some big time executive at an IT company <laughs> like with the mathematics, with the MBA, you know, yeah. why this, why, why, why this and why now? Well, um, First, again, thank you so much for having me. Um, I am someone who is extremely passionate about 
faith, finance, and family. So as a Christian, I'm always just trying to strive and live according to my beliefs. When it comes to finance, ever since I was a little girl, I just love crunching numbers and solving problems. So it really was a no brainer for me to get a degree in math, even though, even though I had no clue what I was going to do with it. But <laughs> I knew numbers was my guiding path, if that makes any sense. Guess what, Trey? What's up? She's a nerd, just like <laughs> I know. I know. It's all good. Proudly, I'm a nerd to the fullest. That's right. And, um, and when it comes to family, yes, I do have a husband and three beautiful children, but I also come from a very strong and supportive family. I'm the only child, but I have a tons of aunties and cousins and uncles who have um, truly supported me, and I think made me who I am today. And so when I was in corporate, I had these very wealthy clients. Um, I was commercial real estate lending. And I would say about 95% did not look like me. Mm-hmm. And what I was seeing was that there was just, just huge disparity in our community. And I really just wanted to take everything that I have learned and what I was exposed to into our community so that we can really, really get a handle on our finances and really take our families and our communities to the next level. So. Of course, focus on the basics, which is budgeting, saving, debt elimination, and investing. But what I really specialize in is cash flow because I fundamentally believe that you cannot reach financial independence, financial freedom, financial abundance, whatever you want to call it, or <laughs> achieve any financial goal without having cash flow. Yeah. That's Actually, I want to go back a little bit. So you kind of mentioned your experience in corporate, but I guess during your upbringing, was there any particular experience that you maybe had that really made like money? Was, was there any particular experience you had that really um, gave you a message of what money could be or how what the value of a dollar was? Yeah, so I would say two things. Um, it's interesting. So I grew up in North Philadelphia and my parents owned the only two abandoned houses on the block. So we lived on the block, but then there was two other houses on the block that we owned. And uh, they always had a plan to you know, renovate them and either rent them out or sell them, but they never got around to it. But at growing up, I understood observing that, that property ownership was extremely important. Mm. And so as I went about my journey after graduation, I quickly tried to own as fast as I could. In about a year and nine months, I got my first property. And then I got five other properties after that within like a six year time span with my husband. However, 2008 Great Recession hit and we were left holding the bag on one of the properties. We could not sell it. We couldn't even do a short sale. We could not um, keep a tenant all the savings and the money that we made from the other properties that were very profitable went down the drain trying to keep this um, you know, up and float. And so mm-hmm. we ended up losing the property anyway. And that experience really helped me with a whole new perspective around debt. Mm-hmm. Because back then, you know, there was a lot of gurus saying, well, borrow as much as you can because it will help your investment returns. And that's mathematically true. But I didn't hear nobody out here telling me that the borrow was slave to the <laughs> you know, and I really like it. And so from that point on, I said, you know what, there has to be a better way. And so um, I know that we live in a society where it's really hard to kind of get a house and do all those things without debt, but really trying to figure out how do you live and really minimize your debt so that you can truly live an abundant life. 
Yeah. And that's what's important for us, right? Because, you know, for us to help people find purpose, you want to have clarity, right? And and when you're loaded down with debt, it's just so hard. I know people who lose sleep over it. They have acne, they lose their hair, relationships fall apart. And so, you know, we want to even help people with the mindset, right? So even before we talk about the positive cash flows, which we will talk about, let's talk about like, what are some of the things and pitfalls that you've seen that can help inform how young adults before the age of 30 think about money? Yeah, so there's a lot of pitfalls. Uh, I believe the common ones are impulse spending, and you don't even have to leave the house anymore because it comes <laughs> it comes back to your inbox, right? It's horrible. How many emails do you see about you know all these different stores? And so it's it's always hitting you dead in the face. And so it's really about just unsubscribing or don't even just quickly delete them because it really is oh that looks nice. Everything looks nice, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, impulse spending I think is definitely number one. Um, I think a second one is discounts. Now, I am all about buying on a discount, sale, bargains, all of that. But if you find yourself buying something because it's on sale, you're not really saving anything. You're talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) But but, right? I mean, if if a jacket was $200 and it's on sale for $100, but you had no plan of buying that $200 jacket. You don't need it. Right? You didn't save $100. You're, you you you're out a hundred dollars, you know, and so being very cautious and aware of that. Um, there's also what I call either status or social driven spending. So that's the whole fear of missing out if your friends are doing something, and obviously a lot is more going on when it's pre-COVID versus right now. But even social media, it's like we get a peek into everybody's life and what they're doing and vacations, and it makes you want to it makes you want to do what you know you potentially can't do can't do right now yeah. um, and so that's something to look out for look what is it, you know is status spending you know say say you're in your 20s um you have a credit card you want to buy your mom a really nice gift so you go and you buy her you know a louis vuitton or a gucci handbag is what what is that right you and and you have student loan debt you don't make more, you know, you're not making a significant amount of money, but maybe you have student loan debt or even your parents might have student loan debt on your behalf um, or you, you're paying rent and or a mortgage. Like, why would you go and buy your mom a $15,000 handbag? Um, is that status spending too? Uh, I would. Or yourself. Not, not, well, so. To me, I hear that that might be somewhat of either a guilt mm. or you are so appreciative that you want to quickly try to, you know, repay your parents for all that they've done for you. Mm. But your parents, most parents understand that you are in the building phase. You know, and, you know, whatever that expectation might be. So every family is different and it's really hard to say what somebody might be doing. But when I see it, because I'm saying, why would you do that? I feel like it's either because you, you, you really just want to show your appreciation and you want to do it right now. Or you might feel some sort of guilt trip. Or if your parents are very social and status driven and that is how they show 
love, you may feel pressured to have to show that love back by money. Yeah, that's good. And when we think about, because we all have our own journeys um, that we've had, you know, while we were either in our parents' household, when we were young adults, when we get that first job, there's always these transitions and phases in life, which we might have to revisit this money conversation to, to shift our mindset. Can you talk about maybe um, any situations you've had in your adulthood or your young adulthood that has made you have to focus on, you know, better managing your finances? Yes. Well, I would just say that um, coming off of that whole Great Recession situation, I was then in my first year of grad school. And so I was racking up over 100 grand in student loan debt. Mm. And it was a situation where um, we really had to change our mindset. So before we decided to get out of debt, it was, okay, if we can afford it, then it's fine. Let's do it. You know, if we can afford a car payment. All right, that's great. Let's go get the 2020 car or whatever the case may be. And now I had to shift from being comfortable to freedom. Mm. Because what freedom says is, okay, yes, I can afford that $400 car note, but what is it doing for me to get out of having to go to this nine to five? Mm. So the student loans really helped me. I was at a job. I was working for a bank and I just got to a point where I couldn't stand it. It just no longer was a culture fit. I won't say there's anything wrong with me or anything wrong with the company. It was just time. And it was stuck. We were stuck because we had $2,700 per month in debt. And that didn't even include the house. Wow. wow. That was student loans, car notes, $2,700. You're talking about probably two mortgages, right? Yeah. And so I was forced to have to stay there until I could find another job. And it was at that point that I said, okay, you get all these degrees, right? You get this nice cushiony job that's paying you wonderful money, but I'm stuck. Mm. I'm stuck. And so I we had to go from, okay, yes, we're comfortable, but we're in debt. Let's be free. And you use that word, what you can afford. Can you unpack that? Because what does that really mean? Like just because you can afford something, is it a real, should you be purchasing it? Right, right. So, I mean, just, you know, fundamentally your budget, right? You bring in, let's say you bring in $3,000 and your expenses are $2,500. And so you have $500 in cash flow. That's what I call cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. So you might say, okay, you know what? My car is running, it's getting me where I need to go, but you know, I want to upgrade. I want to get something nice. And so you upgrade because yes, you can afford a $400 or $500 payment, but it's not necessarily wise for you to do. Why? Because you already have something that is um, um, getting you where you need to go. And that $500 can be building towards a down payment on a property or a down payment on a rental that will bring you income or into, into the stock market. And yeah. so you definitely want to put your money to work. It's not enough yeah. you to be working. You want to make that money work for you. Exactly. You don't want to wait until you're 65. Come on. Right? Preach, girl. Right. <laughs> enjoy the fruits of your labor. And so right. it, it's really about, like you said, going back to childhood. It's amazing the messages and what we learn. 
from our childhood that we don't even realize the yeah. junk that's there that is yeah. informing our decisions. Right. I like the way you said that the junk that's there that informs our decisions. I mean, and I've hear little things like, well, you deserve it. You work hard. You should give yourself something. Give yeah, yourself something. You deserve all it, of this, but maybe not right now. Right. It's all of this immediate self-gratification with no sort of plan for the future that leads to freedom. And I, I agree with you. I, I think that was one of the things when I was younger, um, when I, I was making a lot of money, I did not need it. I, I used to say I live real cheap. I shouldn't say I didn't need it. I needed it. But I didn't, you know, I didn't, I, it, I had more than enough to cover my living expenses, my mortgage. I, my, I had paid off my car, didn't, wasn't going to buy a new one. All I ever wanted mm -hmm. was not to have a car note. Mm -hmm. And that was a message I heard as a kid, like, you made it if you don't handle car note, right? That's the, you know, you're not paying on that all the time. Um, and and you said something too, is like making sure that your money is working for you and you're not always grinding and hustling for it to the point that you have you're stuck That's in right. a career that you hate. Yep. Because you have to pay your bills. Yep. You know, I really like that freedom aspect you talked about, like not being, you know, kind of a slave to your money or having it control you. Mm -hmm. That's right. Or, or a slave to the person you borrowed the money for, right? Ooh, ooh. You know, Mercedes Benz financing, Ford Motor Credit. That's um, right. You know. That's right. And, and, I, and I just want to say, and, and I, I love my father dearly, um, and he, he knows this. Um, when I was a teenager, he said, investing in the stock market doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. and you should invest in yourself. And so as a teenager, I, I got the whole entrepreneurship, but I really took the whole stock market doesn't make any sense. And so I never took the stock market seriously because it didn't make sense. Because that's what I heard. Right. Because you and heard I had that. to unlearn that. Yeah. You know, and, and probably what great. Yeah. And there's a lot of messages in that. It doesn't make sense. Maybe I don't understand it. That's it. That's again, it. I don't trust it. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. You mentioned something. I know we were talking about the different pitfalls. And so I want to talk. We have a lot of young people who are starting to get into serious dating relationships and, and get married and, or even think, you know, by the time I turn 30, I want to be in a relationship and get married. Mm -hmm. You know, what are some what is financial gaslighting? Like when P, is that something when people are in relationship or how does that? What is that? Well, gaslighting is when you when when your emotions and your words are twisted and used against you, mm -hmm. so that you start to second guess and question what your reality is, and mm -hmm. so that can be in a relationship. That can be you know a senior citizen who, you know, somebody has control over their money and they're doing stuff with their money, but, you know, that's not legit. It could be between any two people, but at the end of the day, it is where you are sensing something is going on. And when you bring it up, they're like, you know, they make you think like, no, of course not. Or, you know, whatever case, or they're using it as far as a, making you feel inferior. So, mm -hmm. it's, you know, you're so horrible with money. Like you don't know what you're talking about. You you know, and you start to question. Maybe I maybe I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. 
And at the end of the day, it's laced in manipulation and control. And it's certainly a red flag um, that you should be aware of. And kind of, I guess, going on that vein. So um, what conversations, if there's someone out here, uh, people, a couple is looking to get together, maybe merge finances or what conversations should be have? What financial conversations should be happening um, throughout the dating process um, to see if there's financial compatibility or, or what does that even look like? Yeah. Or are there patterns that people should be looking for, looking out for? Yeah. So, well, outside of gaslighting, obviously, <laughs> um, um, you really want to pay attention to um, the discipline and responsibility around somebody in their money. So that can look various different ways. Um, you know, are they just frivolously spending all the time? Are they stressed mm -hmm. at the beginning of the month? That might show some signs, right? Because mm -hmm. we pay our bills at the beginning of the month. Um, just different things that make you question like, okay, are they really, you know, keeping up with their finances or is just, they're just out here looking, you know, nice and fine, but they're still, still living in somebody's basement, you know, which... Again, in the 20s, you're, you are building, so that's not necessarily a bad thing. And, and none of this is necessarily a reason to not date somebody outside of gaslighting. But it helps you to just kind of zero in on some of the questions and the things that you need to focus on. So, you know, if somebody is at the point of wanting to marry, mm -hmm. I would definitely say have a conversation about your joint vision. What is your vision for you two jointly? Because what that will allow you to do is going to open up the money conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it might feel awkward just like, what's the credit score? You know, you know, how, how much do you have in savings? But if you start to say, you know, we're about to get married and, you know, what is our dreams? What is our vision going forward? And not that you would know that in totality, but right. if you start to say, yeah, you know, I want a house or career wise or kids. Well, then that start to say, okay, well, you know, what's the reality or, or is it realistic for us to do this? And that's yeah. when you start to open up a, what's your credit like? Well, you know, how much you have in savings? And it, it starts to open up and unravel that conversation in a more um, natural way. Yeah. Did you find that you and your husband were compatible financially in how you thought about money and how you approached money and debt? Um, it's interesting. I will say, um, well, when someone starts off a sentence with, it's a very loaded question. Yeah, um, it is. So when my husband and I, we got married um, at um, 24, we got married and we were dating for five years before that. And um, in his mind, we could not get married until he had a certain level of money or a certain status. But the thing is, is that when we got married, I was making double what my husband was making. And it had nothing to do with him being lazy or any, it had nothing to do with that, right? Yeah. Just the nature of our professions. He went into the radio industry. I was in the financial services. We were working just as hard. It's just, that's just the way it was. And so he grew up, you know, we came into this marriage with him there and he grew up where there was a point in time in his life where he didn't know where his next meal was going to come from. And so he had this very much tight, didn't want to do valet parking. I mean, not to say I do valet parking all the time, but you, know, you got heels and a gown on. You're like, okay, we could do valet parking today, right? You know, you know, you know? and so you have, to, 
You're like, nah, I'm gonna drop you off. Right. I'll be <laughs> You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And so I had so you have to kind of pay attention and say, what is this about? And that's, that's trauma. That sounds like trauma. It, a, a, tra a traumatic response to how he viewed and saw money right. or never wanting to go back to that place of I never want to be in a situation right. where that's I right. am struggling. That's right. But on the flip side, he will spend money on vacations in a heartbeat. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm a homebody. I'm, I'm, I'm not going nowhere. You, you know, <laughs> and so it's really about communication. It's really about compromise what I have found um, to be success with us. It's about love and mutual respect. So, you know, you can have different views. We weren't too far apart, but even if you are far apart, even if someone's a, a major spender and you're a super saver, you can still have success, but you got to have mutual respect for one another and you got to compromise. That's just in a partnership, period. And if you're not willing to do that, then, you know, maybe you should. Yeah. No, and I tell everyone, you know, our listeners know that you know, I'm engaged. And so I've been through kind of the premarital. Uh, thank you. Thank you. The premarital counseling process. And one of the topics was finances. And I, I tell everyone, all of my peers, like, have those conversations. It's not like straight out the gate, date one, you need to be, you know, what's your credit score? How much, you know, student loan debt do you have? But to your point, when you start talking about your vision, you know, where are we living? What city? What location are we living in? What's the cost of living there? Mm -hmm. Are we going to have one car, two cars? Do you want to go back to school in the future? That's right. Um, these are the conversations you can have that can open up, you know, conversations around money mm -hmm. um, and that can give you some insights. Yeah. Um, I also think you need to be, you just need to watch, right? Watch people's behaviors, you know, when they go out to dinner, how they look when they show up. I, I had a a friend um, and her and her husband are doing fantastic now financially, but they were both in two high paying professions. Um, but when it was time for them to buy a house, they couldn't, they both owned homes. They moved to another city, but they couldn't get a house together because of his credit, which is something she wasn't aware of because she was like, well, I know he makes this kind of money but didn't know about all the other things. And I made a joke. I was like, because he dressed very nice, impeccable. Oh, <laughs> time. So I told her, I said, you know, it costs money to look that good every day. <laughs> yes, it so, does. Yeah, it does. And so I think some things we ignore, right? Mm -hmm. And because we have discomfort with asking questions, we think it's rude. But, you know, if you love someone, um, and the both and two of you love each other, even if it makes you uncomfortable, it's not rude, right? It's it's a thing, something that we definitely need to talk about as we move forward, um, because we want to have that cash flow. Exactly. Yes. 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 And I wanted to talk about that because I know that that is something you are very passionate and talking about is cash flow. Yes. Um, so for all of our listeners, you know, can you just explain what is cash flow, why it's important, and then uh, some of the work that you do around cash flow? Yeah. So cash flow is simply what you have after you um, pay your expenses. So it's income minus expenses. And it's really important because if your cash flow negative, which means that you do not have enough money coming in for your expenses, then you are that Robin, Robin, Robin Peter to pay Paul. You're in this endless cycle of borrowing and really just, um, you know, can't get your head above water. If your cash flow neutral, that means that your income is just enough to cover your expenses. So there, yes, you're surviving, but you're not progressing. 
you're not progressing forward with saving, investing, and really getting yourself out of that situation. You're stuck. Mm -hmm. You're stuck. And then cash flow positive is when you have more than enough income to cover your expenses. And that's when you can really make some serious moves with the right strategy. So I help my, um, you know, my clients and people that I work with to really mm -hmm. understand kind of like five steps to cash flow. Okay. Just first, you know, be cash flow positive. And so that really goes into your budget and really um, understanding like, okay, how can you boost your income? How can you reduce your expenses, right? To really get to that point if you're not. And then the second thing is to really be explicit. So what is that cash flow number? Like it's not enough just to say, yes, I'm good. I'm covering my bills. You know, let's keep it moving. But what is that number? Because you're going to use that number and deploy it to work for you. So the third step is about be focused. So a lot of us have multiple goals. We either want to buy a house or buy a car or pay off debt. And what I have found is that if you focus on one goal at a time, you are more likely to actually achieve it. Yeah. And so really helping people think through, OK, what's what's number one? What's number two? What's number three? And really go after it. The fourth step is be strategic. So if you're trying to pay off debt, okay, now you know I'm going after my debt, but if you have multiple debt, how do you know which one to hit first versus second versus third? So really being strategic within the goal and really calculating how long it's going to take based off of the cash flow that you're dealing with. And then be diligent, being diligent, which means, you know, making sure you're going back to your budget, comparing, you know, your actual performance and making sure that you are staying on plan because, if you have a plan, but you're not working the plan, then it's, it's it's not worth anything at all. So so about that diligent piece, like how, what are some tools, like how does, you know, because sometimes we'll do goal setting or we might do a budget, but we might not follow up with it. How do we try to stay diligent and make sure like we, we can cross that last hurdle? So the way that you commit to your cash flow number, you have to commit to time to actually manage your money. So that is, is it weekly? Is it every time you get paid? Is it once a month? What day of the week is it? For me, it's Friday because we spend most of our money on the weekend. So I need to know, okay, on Friday, I need to know how much we're working with and how much we have left before we go out. Because otherwise, if I only look at that thing once a month, I will guarantee go over. That's not even a word. <laughs> I will like definitely go over because I don't know where I'm at, right? Yeah. I, I don't have a clue. And so it's it, it may not be enjoyable, but it's absolutely necessary if you are serious about achieving your desired outcomes. So, Amani, let me make sure I got this straight. So I'm either cash flow negative. That means I owe. So there's no money probably going into a savings account for me for the future or I'm cash flow neutral. That means I made just enough to pay everything I do owe. So I'm paying all my utilities, whatever my expenses are, but I don't have no money really to do anything else. And if I do something else, I'm still borrowing, right? So I might be yeah. putting this trip, this weekend trip with my friends or with my man on a credit card. That's right. And That's then if I'm cash flow positive, that means after I pay all my expenses, there's cash left for me to make some decisions about how I want that money to work for me. Absolutely. So how is that a percentage? So should we be aiming for a percentage of our income um, or a specific number? How do you how do you decide how much cash flow 
Um, or and is cash flow the same as like disposable income? Yeah, yeah, different names for it. Okay, that'll be the. And I did have one question. So, in that expenses, just for clarification for everyone, is savings in that expenses, or is that not including? No. Okay. So no. So sure. so so this is your take home pay. So in mm -hmm. that, it does include that you are contributing to retirement. Okay, but your take home pay. That's only if you opt into a retirement program with your employer. Yes, absolutely. So we're looking at take home. <laughs> yes. Thanks for the clarification. Yes. And then your expenses. So it's really about your bills. Okay. And then your miss, what I call miscellaneous. So that's your food, you know, your, your lifestyle, Entertainment, things, on, like that. things like that. Okay. But you have to have money that is for your future like so that. we got the retirement you know if you and that's if you are contributing to retirement mm -hmm. but that's still 60 something 59 and a half plus 60 something years old right wow. you need to be managing and deploying cash flow now right so you don't have to necessarily wait you can mm -hmm. actually use that money to uh, replace your current income Come on. Before oh. retirement age. Yep. But you got to put in the work. You got to sacrifice. You got to delay that so that you can do what you want sooner rather than later. But Amani, I'm young. I want to live my life. <laughs> you know, I, I got Instagram. I need to pose up. Oh, so, you know, <laughs> be in my story looking to see what my outfits look like. So I don't know yeah, if I should, I'm, 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 not not age. I'm buying stuff on, but Amani, come on now. I'm young and I buy this stuff cheap. So my outfits be like $25, $35. So I used to be there. <laughs> I, am, I, I, I am someone who is in their 40s. And I am telling you, I thought the same thing. I did not take retirement seriously. I'm thinking that is so far away. So far away. Like, I got time, right? <laughs> and here I am now, midway through, okay? And I would have definitely done some things differently. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think I've ever admitted this publicly, but um, in full transparency, when my first child was born, I, I had trust issues and I was not ready to uh, um, take her to a daycare or anything like that. I knew somebody who lost their child in the same situation. So I left my job. I had over 100 grand in the 401k. And I cashed it out. Which is probably one of the worst things you would never hear a financial expert tell you that. And I'm not going to tell you to do that. But no. that is. That is part of my story, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what happened? Well, that money depleted yeah. and I had to get another job. So I say all that to say is that there are a lot of things and a lot of mistakes that I definitely would not have done. Mm -hmm. But I'm just giving you reality of what was in my mind. I'm thinking I have time, yeah. right? Yeah. But if I had maybe thought a little deeper of like, how can I make this work? How can I get over my trust issues? And leave that hundred grand in there. It could have been a half a million by now. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and just so, is it make you really don't don't negate the fact that time is on your side, and you don't have to save as much if you start earlier. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's about, a priority. You've spoken about freedom a lot, and I know a lot of our listeners have entrepreneurial interests. Uh, Auntie Janine and I are both uh, entrepreneurs. How does having a like a money mindset and really focused on cash flow, how can that help um, entrepreneurs? How can that help you be more successful as an entrepreneur? Well, because at some point, um, just me as an entrepreneur, like I left my job to start Finance by Faith. Right. I did not start it at the same time as I was working because it was a conflict of interest and I couldn't. So if you have entrepreneurial pursuits, having cash flow will give you that opportunity to launch out, whether you want to do it with your job. And if you can do it with a job, do yeah. it until it builds up. But if you can't, like I couldn't, it gives you that reserve and that cushion mm -hmm. so that you can survive until revenue starts to come in on a regular basis. So it, it, it is paramount. Yeah. That you I, have. And I agree with that. When I left my job, it was unexpected. Um, that I was going to go into entrepreneurship. I had no plans, <laughs> but what I did, I had stacked my cash, you oh, know, yeah. and I had it in a place, both it was going into investments, but I also had cash going into an investment account at Fidelity that was coming right directly out of my paycheck. I never touched it, never saw it, didn't have a debit card to that account. If I literally, if I wanted that money, I had to go to the Fidelity location in Buckhead, Georgia, <laughs> Atlanta, in Buckhead, to tell the people I want my money, mm -hmm. right? And so it wasn't convenient for me to get to That's it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I couldn't go online. I could see the money online. And I think that was it. It was one, because I knew I needed those sort of boundaries mm -hmm. so that I knew that money was there. I'm not going to ever touch it. Um, it was also with my investment accounts, my, you know, my IRA and some other investment accounts. So I think, you know, you have to be able to do that. But when I left my job, I, I didn't feel a significant amount of stress and right. I voluntarily left. And at the same time, had I been asked to leave through a layoff or something, I still had about two years that I didn't have to work or earn any income and I still could have paid my bills. And I think, and when we talk to you all about this, it's really about that. It's not just three months, because now you need more than three months yes, or do. six months because or a year. Right. Well, how long have we been in this pandemic now? Right. right. And it yeah. takes three to six months when you're not in a pandemic sometimes to find a new job. That's right. Because of how the market turns. And so I think that's important. And you will you will wake up one day. Today you wake up at 25. I promise you, God willing, you're gonna wake up at 45 and be like, how in the world did 20 years <laughs> go by? Yes, ma'am. Okay. You're gonna be totally shocked. You yeah. will. And I have a I have one more question. I know I'm all I'm asking all the questions today for you, uh, Imani, but so, you know, we go through a lot of transitions in life. So, you know, for those of us, we go, to, we go to school, we get an education, we get a job, we may meet someone, we may start a family. You know, I'm in the place of my life where I'm getting ready to start building a family. What is something that you learned maybe in your early 20s that has been with you or a lesson or an experience you had that has really kind of um, served you throughout the different phases in life that you've experienced or that you're going through? Mm, good question. Um, I would like to answer it in the form of my marriage. Okay. 
Um, so like I had said earlier, when we first started out, I was making more than he was. Now, mm -hmm. tables have completely turned, but that was our reality back then. And what I was very conscious about was that finances was, you know, one of the top reasons why people get divorced. Mm -hmm. And I did not want that to be our story. So I suggested that we funnel our money into one account. Mm -hmm. And the reason I wanted to do that is because I never, ever wanted money to be an issue as far as that that dynamic of one making more than the other mm -hmm. and so that has served us extremely well and i i know that's not for everybody but for mm -hmm. us money has hardly ever been an issue as far as between the two of us mm -hmm. because his money is my money my money is we don't even see the difference because it funnels through and um you know for some who say well i i don't want my spouse to always see what I'm spending or what I'm taking out, yeah. there's a middle ground, right? So if you have $600 combined and you know that's your miscellaneous, one person get 300 and the other person can get 300 and it still levels the playing field. And I, I tell you, for us, we have not had any sort of real true money arguments or anything because that dynamic has been completely taken off the table. And so that has served us well. Oh, that's great. And you're right. It, it's, it's based on your comfort level and your couple, you know, as a couple. Yeah. But it sounds like there's so many dynamics in marriage, right? So if yeah. you can eliminate arguments about one, um, you get, I think that's why it's important to talk about it. So thank yeah. you for sharing that with us. So as we kind of wrap up a little bit, this has been amazing. And we look yes. forward to having you back on our show. <laughs> yes, maybe I, I'm having a great time. Some additional things with us. I'd like for you to, you know, so we're going to, in our show notes, we're going to list those five cash flow tips for you. But, you know, I want you to share with our listeners, you know, how do you work with your clients? So, you know, uh, when you're working with people, you're coaching them, how can people get in touch with you? And then what what do you do? How do you help people get to this positive cash flow? Yeah, so I do consultations either with individuals or with couples. I also do workshops and trainings, um, you name it, and really just focusing on, okay, where are you? Where are you trying to go? And let's chart a course to get you there because personal finance truly is personal. And I don't think any one path is the same for everybody. Um, there's a lot of dynamics. And so um, really just honing in on, um, you know, what is your true desire? What is your time frame? Mm -hmm. What is your risk tolerance? What are you willing to do? And let's figure out something that's truly realistic that uh, you believe in and that you will carry out. So do, what if someone's not... Um you know, they don't have a strong Christian faith. Can they still use your principles to? Of course. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's not. It's not necessary. It's not Christian based. It's just my language is very um, biblical. But no, these, these um, principles um, cross the universal. Yeah. 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 Universal. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so um, with the, the cash flow, uh, the, the, um, the cash flow method that I did talk about, you can actually uh, get that for free. Um, it's called the cash flow starter kit. Um, and if you go to financebyfaith.com slash Imani Hamilton, which is I-M-A-N-I, you can get access to that. You can see the blogs, other resources. If you want to schedule an appointment, you can find all of that right okay. there. 
Well, and we will put Perfect. that in show notes. You'll see that at the end of this broadcast, if you're watching with us on YouTube, you will also see how to get in touch with Amani um, and get your mindset right. Yes. So, That's right. Cash flow positive. That's, that's right. Positive. Cash flow positive. Um, because that's the only way to financial freedom. Agreed. That's right. So, Amani, as we wrap up, I'm going to, you know, Trey loves to ask this question. I'm going to get it this time. <laughs> what, you know, one thing that you would love to leave with our listeners and our viewers. Um, what's the one message that you think is most important for them to have as we wrap up today? Hmm. Um, I would say exposure is key and to be flexible and be patient with yourself. Yeah. 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 I like that too. What a great way to end the show because it ties very closely into, you know, our belief system here at Before 30. So, you know, expose yourselves, talk about money. You know, I want to throw that in there as part of the exposure. Don't be afraid to talk about money. You guys heard last week, Trey and I laid it out. We talked about some of our financial mistakes. We told exactly. you some of the biggest checks we've cashed, um, some of the things, <laughs> and some bonus checks. Those bonus checks back in the day. Amani, I'm sure you had some big bonus checks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, so we talked about that. And so be comfortable because one, it, it, it teaches you so much about what you don't know, what people are doing with right. their money, how to make money, how to invest your money. Um, and then how to overcome mistakes. So don't when you allow yourself to engage in those uncomfortable conversations or explorations. Um, that's really giving you an opportunity to grow. And yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So people might tell you, don't talk about money. And that, please do. Please talk. say it again. I'm already Please do. We got to change the dinner conversation. Yes. We really do. We do you need know? to change because what we end up doing is talk about other people's money when we're talking about celebrities. Right? <laughs> like we're making them rich. We're talking about them. We're really talking about their money because when they're when their names are on our tongues and in our conversations, yes. we're validating their value, which keeps them making money, which we want. But let's talk about your money. Let's talk about let's validate you and come up with some great ideas on how you can continue to create positive cash flow. So we want to thank you all for listening today and joining us. Amani, we just really appreciate you sharing your life and your story um, and your business with our listeners and our family at Before 30 today. So just remember, um, at Before 30, you are a masterpiece and a work in progress. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Before 30 podcast. Help us grow by subscribing and commenting on today's show. The Before 30 podcast is owned and operated by Before 30 LLC. Be sure to connect with us on our website at before-30.com and follow and like us at Before 30 on all social media platforms.